The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The Clinton body count adds another. This is amazing. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. I'm amazed by how many people die around these people. It's unbelievable. This one's even more important because of who it is and who he's tied to. And some of the things he did, listen to this. This is from the, the Sun UK. Mark Middleton, dead at 59. Bill Clinton's special advisor, quote, who let Epstein into the White House seven times he died. <laughs> President Bill Clinton's former special advisor, Mark Middleton, passed away on Saturday at the age of 59, confirmed by his family. He is known for cementing the former president's friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Unbelievable. The cause of death was not confirmed. Hmm. Middleton ran an air conditioning business in Little Rock, Arkansas for decades before becoming special advisor to Bill Clinton and financial director for his presidential campaign. The Middleton family had lost an inspiring and dedicated leader as well as a son, brother, husband, and father, wrote the representative of Middleton's heating and air uh, in his Facebook post. Mark leaves behind a company that he helped build from the ground up alongside his family and was proud to run for the last 25 years. No words can express our sadness over the loss or our gratitude for your support and prayers during this time. Middleton was also managing partner of the investment firm Midcorp Capital, an investment company that worked with a handful of nonprofit foundations. Hmm. The only potential hint at a possible cause was a request in Middleton's obituary that instead of flowers, well-wishers donate to a service that specializes in counseling and therapy linked to New Life Church, which is based in Arkansas. A spokesman for the Little Rock Police Department had said they had not investigated the death. The Pulaski County's Sheriff's Office said that they had not responded to Middleton's death and neither had the county coroner, according to an employee in the office reached by DailyMail.com. Middleton's life in recent years was a world away from the power he enjoyed in the 1990s. White House visitor logs previously reported that DailyMail.com showed that he appeared as the authorizing authority over seven, seven of Jeffrey Epstein's White House visits, which were mostly to the West Wing. In addition to being a special assistant to the president, Middleton also assisted the chief of staff, Thomas Mac McLeary. So, unfortunately, he is the new body count, uh, body count figure on the toll that the, the Clinton death count has built up to. And if you want to hear the funniest cracks at the Clinton body count, because, I mean, sometimes it seems fantastical. You know, you're like, oh, these people die. You know, I, I know somebody was uh, looking at Huma Abedin, which was Hillary Clinton's advisor, was uh, stuffed into a, tra a trash compactor after they were killed. 
all these weird events. You know, Vince Foster suddenly found across the street with a with a gun uh, pulled into a park. Uh, Ron Brown, the guy who was found in the crash of some airplane, but yet he had a bullet in the back of his head, big old bullet hole. So while the plane was descending 30,000 feet into the side of a mountain, ah, there was a bullet hole in the back of his head. Um, all these crazy things. One who put it into a hilarious perspective was Norm MacDonald, who we lost recently. Hilarious comedian. Um, listen to this montage of cracks that he gave on SNL and on The View of the Clinton body count. Veteran news anchorman David Brinkley apologized to Bill Clinton for an election night commentary in which he called the president, quote, boring and uncreative. Admitted Brinkley, there was certainly nothing uncreative about the way you moved Vince Foster's body. <laughs> President's a murderer. You didn't know that? mysterious Indonesian accused of illegally raising millions for the Democratic Party. Earlier this week, Secret Service logs show that Mr. Wong had visited the Clinton White House more than 60 times. But on Friday, administration spokesman revealed that there are actually two John Wongs. Furthermore, they stress that the John Wong who visited the White House is a different man. He isn't the fundraiser. He's the guy who killed Vince Foster. <laughs> Rejecting conspiracy theories that President Clinton killed Vince Foster, a report out this week from independent counsel Kenneth Starr has officially concluded that Vince Foster took his own life. Among other things, the report cites evidence that Foster was deeply depressed in the days leading up to his death. Although the report does concede, Foster was deeply depressed because President Clinton was trying to murder him. <laughs> On Capitol Hill this week, 17 Republican congressmen formally asked the House Judiciary Committee whether there is sufficient evidence to begin impeachment proceedings against President Clinton. In response, the president said, quote, hey, you know who would have the answer to that question? Vince Foster. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think we should get the homicide out of the White House and get like a... Uh, a fresh start, because we don't want any more murderers. I no, think we, we should just go on to the next question. Oh. <laughs> Who are the murderers? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Clinton, he murdered a guy. Yeah, you know, we're not allowed, <laughs> no, to, you're not no, allowed um, to put out no, um, accusations without That's Pete a little Charlie. too That's far. That's the way it does let's work. Just, let's just go on to the next <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is not my week. What can I tell you? <laughs> oh, it's not mine either, and I'm being very nice, okay? <laughs> Be a good boy. Now, Norm. Do you never hear that? No. Listen, no, we don't need I to don't talk want to get into that. this, and I don't want to hear it, and this is not the place to make those accusations. And you're supposed to be funny. Oh. Let's get on to right, the exactly. so There you go. This is a live show. Norm, but you have been properly chastised by Barbara. Oh. So I'm not going to ask the next question. I thought it was a matter of record. Shut no. up. Uh, Norm, shut up. Look, okay. let me do this, okay? okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I tell you, we really lost one with Norm MacDonald. He was hilarious. And he dug that Vince Foster thing so far down the throats of the Clintons. It was just incredible to watch them explode on The View when he started talking about it. I mean, it was classic. But the Clinton body count grows higher and higher. And uh, we miss Norm MacDonald, comedic genius.
So on the other side of the break, I want to get into my theory as to why the left is going ape, you know what, over the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk and what the real reason was that it's a theory of mine, but I have pretty good uh, instincts on this one to think that this is probably the case. We're going to get into the narrative crafting playground that the left has used Twitter for on the other side of the break. This is Adrian Slade. So Elon Musk decided he was going to place a hold on his acquisition of Twitter. And this is interesting because I've got a theory behind all of this. Now, he says he's still, uh, he, he actually tweeted, still committed to acquisition. The reason is because there's a lot of bots and fake accounts on Twitter. The valuation of, de- of Twitter would be determined by its usage, by its engagement, how many people are real accounts? How many of those real accounts can be confidently leaned upon to be able to go to advertisers and things of that nature, people that will invest and say, see, I've got a robust uh, social media platform here. So there's a possibility that 25 to up to 50% of the accounts could be bots. And so Elon Musk is going to investigate that and find out what the real valuation is. Now, this is pretty telling to me because uh, think about how many times news stories were built off of something posted on Twitter. Think about how many people have been canceled. How many businesses were, were ruined? How many people's individual lives were basically just destroyed by people complaining on Twitter? I mean, think about how many revolutions that were started, the Arab Spring, the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. All of that was done through Twitter DMs, just organized groups. Now, I don't think Twitter was that way in the very beginning. In fact, the Tea Party movement grew. There's a reason why I don't think it was that way in the beginning, and that's because of this the conservative dominance of Twitter. Yeah, we had a great following. We were uh, we had tons of accounts on there with you know, a couple hundred thousand followers and everybody was just destroying the left. Anytime the left had some sort of, uh, some sort of narrative that they wanted to craft, like Ahmed, the clock kid, you know, he shows up to school with his science project and it's a little pencil case. It looks like a metal briefcase, look like something off a of 24 with a clock in it and wires hanging out. And then suddenly he's suspended and Obama gets on there and say, that's a nice clock, kid. Then you got this other person from, you know, Harvard going, I'm going to give you a full ride. It was MIT. And all of that was done through social media. They all wanted to say, oh, this kid was, he's an Arab kid. He's in a United States school and he comes to school with his, his uh, school project. And everyone says, you know, it's, it's a bomb. And he's like, oh, it's a clock. I mean, and then you got on social media like Twitter and everybody started dumping the real facts and you piecemealed it together, but everybody was sharing it from account to account. And then suddenly the unraveling of that narrative happened. Think about Nick Sandman. You know, it was supposed to be this kid with a punchable face with his MAGA hat on sitting there smirking at a Native American who's beating his drum and, and they tried to make it out to be like he was harassing him. And then... All the bits and pieces start coming out. We find out that the Native American was actually hassling him. He was trying to play cool, and he was in the middle of being accosted by the black Hebrew Israelites, or 
So we find out the truth through social media and crowdsourcing of information. But over a certain period of time, the left knew that they had to monopolize it. And that's what they did. And now, out of the blue, <laughs> and that, there's, a, there's a thing to what I'm about to say about the out of the blue, um, because there's a point that I've been trying to make. The left likes to make plans. They think they can game plan everything out. They think of us as a monolith. They, they think of us as being predictable because we're stupid. Then they go about their plan, and then, voila, some out-of-the-blue left-field thing happens that they didn't factor into their plans, and their plans just get all botched. And that's happened quite a few times. Can we say Canadian truckers? They're going to go out there and say, well, we're just going to lock everyone down and then force them into vaccines, and you know, then suddenly the truckers decide to just show up and, and shut down the entire economy by shutting down all the roads so that distribution can't happen within the, the entire nation. Yeah, they don't think of the unintended consequences, the outlier events, the cleverness, the wittiness of somebody to thwart their dumb, stupid plans. So I'm going to play a clip of this uh, Nina Jankowitz, uh, the Ministry of Truth. They decided to set up this disinformation board through the Department of Homeland Security. So you've already got an illegitimate bureaucracy now housing an illegitimate investigation group. So they decided they were going to set up this ministry of disinformation. And I'll tell you why they're doing it here in a few minutes. I've got a theory on that. But one of the things she says in this clip is very telling because it's all pointed at one platform. Just listen to this because it's an absurd idea on its face, but think about the fact that they're only pinpointing one platform in this, in this in entire clip. They're not talking about all social media across the board. Just listen to uh, Ms. Showtunes, who sings all those little songs. Uh, you know, I don't know if she was doing the Bare Necessities or uh, Peter Pan or whatever. Um, listen to her talk about what should happen on social media platforms to fix misinformation. Um, and I am eligible for it because I'm verified, but there are a lot of people who shouldn't be verified who aren't, you know, legit in my opinion. I mean, they are real people, but they're not um, trustworthy. Anyway, so verified people can um, essentially start to edit Twitter the, the same sort of way that Wikipedia is, so they can add context to certain tweets. Um, so, just as an easy example, not from any political standpoint, if President Trump were still on Twitter and tweeted a claim about voter fraud, someone could add context from one of the 60 lawsuits uh, that went through the court or uh, something that an election official in one of the states said, perhaps your own Secretary of State uh, <laughs> and, and his news conferences, something like that, adding context so that people... Um, have a fuller picture rather than just an individual claim on a tweet. So some idiot blue check mark can just go on to Twitter, take your tweet, and then add a little context to it, right? Just like they did with COVID. Anytime anyone talked about ivermectin or vaccines being ineffective, there was always this little attachment to it about, well, go, go to CDC, which is the greatest website to go to. <laughs> um, Dr. Oz's uh, gun gun-grabbing advocacy group. Um, go to CDC and learn more about COVID, all that crap. 
They want to do that to all your tweets, but only the blue check marks, only the elite that are deemed elite because, you know, we can't have any rubes out there with a blue check mark. It's got to be the elites right there, <laughs> right there, Buffy. Um, that's interesting that they pointed out Twitter, that they pointed out, they're not talking about doing that on Facebook. They're not talking about editing your Facebook post because, well, Facebook's already taken over by, by the left, obviously. They're not, but regardless of that, they're not talking about Snapchat. They're not talking about going into your Snapchats and changing your filter with a little message. They're not talking about going on Reddit. They're not talking about going on uh, TikTok. It's specifically Twitter. And I know it's because Elon Musk is buying it, but there was, I think it's because, and this is my theory. The theory is what kind of operation were they using Twitter for that they didn't foresee the out of the blue that I was talking about, uh, the out of the blue chance that somebody had enough money to just step in and go, I'm just going to buy this place. They were running all types of narratives through there. They, they used it to organize the Ukrainian opposition for the orange revolution. Our state department was organizing with these people through Twitter. Narratives were crafted through Twitter. Why do I think that's important? Because only what? 10% of the population actually has a Twitter account. Yet that's where every news story stems from. Huh? Interesting, isn't it? You don't see some crazy viral moment happen on Facebook and then that makes news. You don't see that happen on Snapchat, but you do see it on Twitter all the time. And to me, I think that that's why there's so many bots. I think they created narratives. They created cancelable situations. They created all types of things that should gain outrage and I think they created the outrage with the bots. I think the bots were made to show more outrage than actually existed, which would make it a news story, and then the narrative is set. I think they were fomenting their cultural revolution using, using Twitter. They're doing it now with TikTok, too. But I think Twitter was originally the way that they wanted to do it because they can make racial incidents happen through Twitter. They can, they can foment the CRT indoctrination through the culture, through Twitter. And so, again, they didn't foresee the Canadian truckers, the Nick Sandman event of some billionaire going, you know what? I think I'm going to buy Twitter. I don't think that was ever in their plans. They, they figured, okay, this platform doesn't have a way to make money, but we're going to make it influence all of our news items. <laughs> Right? So it has no monetary value in it. And yet it's going to be the driving factor for the majority of the news, even though 10% of, them, of America actually has a Twitter account. Does that make sense? Or were they using it as a battlefield with bots to create incidents? And then the, that would spill over into news and then they can go from there. And it's also because, you know, the journalism uh, community all has blue check marks and they have all got multiple thousands of followers and they think they're rock stars when really a lot of people are following them just to see the next dumbass statement that they tweet out. But they think it's all oh, my fans. No, no, you're not Sally Field. They love me. They really like me. Nope, nope. 
you're still a dumbass. You're still a douche. We're only following you to see what dumb thing you're going to post next that we can comment on. But regardless of that, they built the news stories on Twitter and then it spills over into the news organization. And now they don't have that anymore. So they've had to move it and they've taken it and moved it over to the Department of Homeland Security. Now, a lot of these organizations, Secret Service, they're all based in the Department of Treasury. Department of Homeland Security? And so remember, they were taking the post office and post office was looking through your social media post. Remember, they were going to make the Capitol Police have stations all across the, all across the nation. Why? Because the Capitol Police don't have the ability to be FOIA'd. You can't Freedom of Information Act anything that they do, and they're directed by Congress. So Nancy Pelosi can order them to do whatever they want to do. So now they're going to take the Ministry of Truth, the Disinformation Board, and they're going to run it through the Department of Homeland Security, which was built after 9-11 and was exploited just as the Patriot Act was to where they're spying on all everyone, they're unmasking everyone, and maybe that's what the maybe that's what the disinformation board will do. They will just come out and say, "Oh, he's posting a lot of disinformation. Let's unmask him and find out what he's doing." Even though citizens of America weren't supposed to be unmasked. So I think that's why you're seeing this. This is why you're seeing the the complete crapping of the bed of the left over Elon Musk buying Twitter because they ran this game effectively for a long time, and then out of the blue, it's like Elon Musk. Wake up in the morning. Hmm. I think I'm going to buy some Twitter. And what does he do? He puts the money on the table. And so now they're having to clean up their algorithms. And then they're going to be investigated to find out they've had tons of bots on there. That's why they can't have Trump show back up on Twitter, because in the middle of their narrative crafting, Trump would just drop one little tweet bomb on them. And the entire Twitter sphere would go absolutely insane and ruin their stupid little game. So they got him out of the mix. They, you know, they, they don't care if Trump was still on Facebook. They don't care if Trump would, you know, he's got truth social. Now they went after Parler because that was going to be the next place that he could go. But that's because Parler was gaining popularity and that popularity was a threat to their narrative crafting playground of Twitter. So they just had it completely deplatformed. But that's the reason why you're seeing it. That's the reason why they're making a disinformation uh, bureau or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's because it already existed as Twitter and it was ousted with Elon Musk buying it. And so now it has to be its own thing outside of the tech world. It's now going to be a governing body that's going to force people into tweeting the right things. This is America. <laughs> you ever thought you'd see this in your lifetime? But it also shows what kind of fascist these people are. The ones that scream anti-fascism, we got to fight the fascists. And they're out there making people say whatever they want to say, forcing them into getting medical procedures like vaccinations with experimental drugs. They're out there forcing your kids to learn about LGBTQRS and blowjobs by other kids and books in their libraries when they're five years old. They're the ones that are of the depraved mind that decide they're going to send out little care packets from the government to help crackheads by sending them, you know, free crack pipes and crack paraphernalia. These are the people that want to kill your baby in the womb. 
And they're mad that that's unraveling as we speak, too. So keep that in mind. The more you hear about this Elon Musk thing and Twitter, the more it's because the left's narrative crafting playground has been dismantled and taken over by somebody who just wants to use it for what it was originally intended for and what it did actually do back in 2008, 2009 when I first started on there. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. You can also get the Roku channel in your streaming store. Go to Adrian Slade in the streaming store search engine. Also, you can donate to the show, anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. Give whatever amount you wish. You can also call to be on the program, 1-929-GO-GO-USA. That's 1-929-GO-GO-USA. We'll see you guys next time.